The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Jesus said, See, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me, as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. When they hand you over... Do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you at that time, for it is not you who speak, but the Father, the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father is child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The Gospel of the Lord. We interrupt our regularly scheduled Epiphany program to bring you the feast of the conversion of St. Paul's. It was yesterday, and when your church is celebrating its feast day. You're allowed to play around with the readings to some degree and celebrate the feast of perhaps the churches your name, your church is named after. And that's where we are today, the feast of the conversion of St. Paul's. And you're in St. Paul's. So we're going to talk about St. Paul. But first, I want to talk about names. There's something really important about names. And I know that particularly in the South, names are important. So I'm going to begin today's sermon with you turning to a neighbor, turning perhaps to someone that you don't know terribly well, and just say something about your name, first, middle, or last. Go. Icebreaker. (laughs) All right. Thank you all. That is super cool. I love to hear this kind of chatter in church. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Somebody asked me if I've, my, my name is Charles Thomas. And somebody asked if I'd ever considered going by Thomas. And I said, I tried in college, but like once you go down the Charlie Road, you can't, you can't go back. <laughs> now, I wonder, have you ever thought of how churches get their names? How do churches get the names that they carry through the centuries? Um, some scholars believe that the process began after the year 313 when Constantine decided that it was okay for people to uh, um, worship freely. And then there was a time when uh, benefactors would give land or money and churches would be named after them. Or there might have been a time when there were relics 
that were associated with churches that gave them their names. Relics like pieces of the cross, hence the name Holy Cross. But I did what I usually do, fast-forwarding 15, 1,600 years, I went to a website dedicated to naming your church. And there are all kinds of best practices for naming your church. There's naming your church after a denomination and the order of appearance, such as First Baptist or Second Prez. And then there are all of these kind of new, cool, hip, trendy, hipster ways of naming your church, like Ecclesia or Agape or Rhythm or Pulse. Or name your church according to location, City Church, a popular name for churches that are in the heart of an urban setting. A friend of mine just planted a church outside of Indianapolis, and he and I got together and brainstormed on some names. And he landed on Good Samaritans because he didn't want to focus on the building itself, instead on acts of good works for the community. So St. Paul's. What do you think happened such that we became St. Paul's Church? What is it about Paul that lends itself to this time, this location, this community of people? Well, we need to take a look at Paul, don't we? And that's what today is about. St. Paul first appears in the book of Acts. And Acts is kind of like a sequel to the Gospel of St. Luke. They're written by the same author. Luke ends with the Ascension, and the book of Acts begins with the Ascension. And it is about how the Holy Spirit is continuing to build the church and advance the kingdom. There's a key leader at the beginning of Acts. His name is Peter. You've heard of Peter, St. Peter. Right? He chooses, he does a lot of teaching. He does some healing. He goes before councils. He does some public speaking. And he does some delegating. He chooses seven deacons to help him attend to the widows in the community. And one of those deacons is named Stephen. You may have heard of St. Stephen's. Well, Stephen got, in my opinion, a little ahead of himself, and he stood up and basically began to throw shade at the established leadership, and it made them really mad. <laughs> so mad that they stoned him. And Paul is there. And that's the first mention of this figure named Paul. He is, according to Scripture, approving of their killing him. Now later in chapter 9, we begin to get a fuller picture of this person at that time was named Saul. And we're told that he was breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the chief Jewish religious leaders and asked if he might go to Damascus and see if he can find some other people who are followers of the way. It wasn't called Christianity then. It was called the way. 
And he was going to capture them and bring them back to Jerusalem and put them in prison. So Saul goes off to Damascus, and this is where his big moment happens. On that road, a flash of light comes out of nowhere, and a voice says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul is like, what? (laughs) Who are you? And Jesus says, I am Jesus. I am the one you're persecuting. Interesting, right? Jesus says, you're persecuting me when you're persecuting all these people. So Saul is struck blind by the encounter, and his disciples take him by the hand, and they lead him to a place where he can rest. Now, meanwhile, there's another conversion that's happening in Damascus. A man by the name of Ananias. And this is when we really get into who Saul is. The Lord says to Ananias, Hey, Ananias, you need to get up right now and go to this street called Straight. And there you will find a person named Saul. And you need to deliver a message to him. And then Adonias is like, no way. (laughs) Have you heard of Saul? He is trouble with a capital T. And the Lord says, I know it, Adonias, but you've got to go. Because this person, Saul, is going to be an instrument. He's going to be an instrument that takes my name before rulers and before Gentiles. The person I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. And so this is what Ananias does. He goes to Saul and he offers him this report, this message from God, and then Saul is healed. And eventually he becomes Paul. Now, some of you may, like many Christians, see Paul as a controversial figure. His letters hold a few things that can be mistaken as anti-woman and anti-gay. Paul can come across as a bully, as stubborn, and generally as someone you might not want to be your best friend. But what we see throughout the book of Acts in this character is growth and maturity and change and spiritual development. First, Paul was a very convicted member of the Jewish community. He was faithful to that community. But he was willing to change. Now, don't get me wrong, it took a significant event to catch his attention. But when he got the invitation from the Lord to stop persecuting others, Paul dedicated his life to spreading the good news. Secondly, Paul took the leadership baton from Peter. Transitions of leadership aren't always easy. Paul would become the leader that would do exactly what the Lord told him to do. He would take the message of Jesus to kings. 
He would make the word grow and spread. He would take it to the next level. And thirdly, Paul was a smart person and just a little bit political. He knew the religious and political system in which he was called to function. He knew his context. And he was savvy in his approach to leadership. Now, I asked our resident historians here at St. Paul's Richmond if they could find any background as to the naming of St. Paul's Church. And they couldn't turn anything up. We don't really know why St. Paul's Richmond was named after this high-strung, strong-headed person. But I have a few clues. I see a few places of obvious overlap. (laughs) Could it be that St. Paul's Richmond is just a teensy-weensy bit headstrong? Could it be that we are just a smidge resistant, like most Episcopalians and religious folk, to doing things differently? It puts us in some pretty good company. And like Paul... I know that you, St. Paul's, are faithful to the mission of the church, and you love this church. Weekly, weekly, people come into my office and talk about how they love this community. Even though it would be easy to worship only this beautiful building and the furnishings and the other idols of worship, I can tell that you don't want this church to be a museum. You have a deep love for this living, breathing community. You love this church and what it stands for. What does this community stand for? Here's another place of overlap with the person of Paul. Paul was called to take the message of God out into the broader world before rulers. He was called to cross geographic and cultural and social boundaries. And this is what you do, my friends. More than anything else, your gift is to take the radical welcome and message of God out into a world that needs much more than a simplistic surface God. You want others to know the God that you know, a God that is big enough to hold all of us. And lastly, and this is an area in which we need to grow more fully into and even beyond the likeness of St. Paul. Like Paul, we are being called to take the message of Jesus Christ and the church to the next level. And if you want to know what that looks like, you have to look to none other than our presiding bishop, Michael Curry who is imaginatively and steadfastly rebranding the way this church thinks about and talks about Jesus of Nazareth. One scholar writes, The good news is expansive and it is broad. It reaches to the widest edges of the world, seeking the lost. But God also turns the powerful of the world, turns to the powerful of the world, And demands justice. 
This is a ministry of leadership, of pointing to where the Holy Spirit is active and then joining in that activity. And this work belongs to each of us on all of our everyday roads. It's the feast of the conversion of St. Paul. Paul never met Jesus. He was at least a generation and a half out of knowing the person of Jesus. You and I are hundreds of generations removed from that time. Yet here we are. We are a church. We are a church named after a person who switched gears mid-career. We are a church named after a person who was called to take God's message into the next century and beyond. We are a church named after a person called to keep the Word of God and the life of Jesus relevant and alive. I've never had to name a church, but I think that Paul is a pretty good match for this one because Paul is fiery. Paul is complicated. Paul is a leader. Paul is involved in some pretty wacky and dangerous journeys. Paul has crucial conversations. And most importantly, Paul is an example of how God can take our gifts, whatever they may be, and use them to build something extraordinary. God has been doing this for 175 years in this place. And my hunch is that God will continue that pattern. Despite our differences, we come to this table to meet Jesus and to affix the name of God on our hearts. And what could be more important than that name? How are we called to take God's name into our lives? How are we called to take God's name into our workplaces? How are we called to take God's name into our social media conversations? How are we called to take God's name into the places that are experiencing darkness and hunger and injustice? How are we called to take God's name to our dinner tables, into our streets, and into the presence of power? The landscape may look a little different, but these days it is every bit as challenging and every bit as filled with opportunity. May God continue to bless us as we take God's name onto the roads that we are called to travel. And may the Lord guide us as we embody and proclaim the risen Christ in the heart of this city and beyond. Congratulations, St. Paul's. Happy birthday. See you later.